Financial Residency is proud to bring you Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. Each week, Tammy Krause explores a new topic related to achieving financial independence by building and protecting your wealth. She invites guests who are experts in their fields who will share honest and valuable advice on a variety of topics. If you have an idea for a podcast, please email Tammy, that's T-A-M-M-Y, at financialresidency.com. Now grab your front row seat to this week's Grand Rounds. Hi, and welcome back to Grand Rounds. The last few weeks, we've had several physicians on the show who have done something unique, either in their career or as a side gig, and today we're going to follow along in that vein. I'd like to welcome Dr. Melissa Limekuhler, and she and her husband and sister have started a winery and inn, and we're going to talk a little bit about the business side, but we're going to talk about some of the fun things too. So welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you so much, Tammy. Thank you for having me on. This is a lot of fun. I was so excited to hear more. Now, for your day job, I understand you are a radiologist in the cross-sectional body imaging department at Johns Hopkins. Do I have all of that correct? That's correct. I don't know how you have time to do anything else, but <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of balancing, but it keeps me busy and active, and I wouldn't have it any other way. That's so fun. Now, you and your husband, and you said your sister also, have a place called Belvoir Winery and Inn, and that's in Liberty, Missouri. How did you get started in this? That's correct. So it's definitely a family endeavor. My parents are the ones that initially had the idea when I was growing up. There's this property. It's a series of four Jacobethan architecture style buildings. And if you're not familiar with that term, turn of the century, and they just have that look. They're very, they're brick. They're each three stories plus a basement. They're amazing buildings. And they've been there for the oldest building is over a hundred years old. And I grew up literally a mile up the road. So they've always been there. They were abandoned for 20 or 30 years before my family acquired them. And it used to be, it has a very long history, but at the time that the property came up for sale, my dad had started, had an interest in wine and he had been making wine in our basement at home. My mom was a travel agent at the time and she went out of town for two weeks and my sister, my dad and I went to the grocery store and I think I was 12 or 13 and we went to the store, got things for dinner. My dad's adding a bunch of tape table grapes to the cart. We're like, what are you doing? You just keep adding. So we have a lot of table <laughs> grapes, some things for dinner. My sister and I have no idea what's going on. We get home, we're putting away groceries, except the grapes. And then my dad hands us potato smashers. And he's like, just smash the grapes. We're like, what? He's like, just keep smashing. So we helped him smash all these grapes. And by the time my mom came home from her travel agent trip, my dad had his first batch of wine growing in our basement. <laughs> that's how it started. And he did a lot of reading and just had a big interest in it. He was a small town family doctor, family practice, epitome of a small town doctor, traded a boom truck for a horse at one point, but he had this a microbiology background and was dabbling in wine. And this property came up for sale. And my mom was like, you would make a really great wine race. She was always very creative. So it was always my parents' dream. They were not the biggest offer. They were actually, I think, the smallest offer in the property, but the Oddfellows owned it at the time. And they just liked the fact that my parents were going to do something and try to keep 
the buildings intact, try to keep the property intact and do something with it other than knock it down and build houses because it's 170 acres and we're just ensconced by neighbors and our neighbors are fantastic. But I think they just like the idea that someone was going to try to keep the grounds alive and the history going. And we hope that we have been able to do that. So my dad and my mom, once we got the property, started planting grapes. It's been a lot of trial and error. There are areas where grapes just haven't grown well on the property. There are some areas where they've done phenomenally well. We have our first field that we had for over 20 years was muscat. And it was planted on the back part of the property and where there happened to be natural springs under there. And didn't really know it at the time, but that's why the property started. It started as a hotel in the late 1800s because of the natural springs there and the healing powers. So our muscat actually did incredibly well. And I don't know if you remember around 2010, 2012, we had one summer where it was incredibly hot, droughts everywhere. That field actually survived and did really, really well for a few more years. And then one summer we had a really wet summer and it got taken over by fungus. We planted a new field, but that's how we got started. My dad immediately started trying to protect the buildings and tuck point, do some exterior work to keep them protected. The, like I said, there are four buildings on the property. The furthest south or the one closest to the entrance was an old orphanage. So it was initially the hotel. It was owned by a gentleman by the name of Winter. It had a lake it had a racing track. It was a wooden hotel at the time. And he went bankrupt, sold it to the Independent Order of Oddfellows. They are a Masonic group that cares for the indigent, the poor, and the underserved. And they turned it into a children's home. And then there was a chef one winter, had a prison pipe, tried to thaw it out, accidentally caught the building on fire. They <gasps> got funding. I know. They got funding. <laughs> Order of Oddfellows in Missouri to rebuild the structure that is standing there now. And that was about 1900. And so it's a three-story plus a basement brick building, Gothic kind of architecture. It's beautiful, but some people look and they're like, that's the Haunted Mansion. I'm not coming in. I'm not staying there. But the property itself is just very serene, beautiful. It's very peaceful, even though it's right off the highway. So, you know, a lot of work since we've acquired it, has an extensive history. My mom got sick for a while, a few years after we acquired it. So things just got put on hold. She lived another 10 years. And then after she passed away, we kind of all looked at each other. We're like, we know what she really wanted done or was this the time to do it? And I don't know, looking back, would I have done it again? I think the answer is yes, but it's been a ton of work. And with any business, any renovation, especially of an old building, there are always surprises. It's definitely been a labor of love. And my husband, and in particular, my husband was trying to oversee the renovation. My dad had Parkinson's and was at and on the retirement end of things as it was. He was trying to oversee the business, the renovation, everything. And finally, I looked at him one day and I was like, this is a lot. I was like, you can either quit your paying job and take on a non-paying job for the family, or you can give up the non-paying family job and just keep your day job. And I was like, I don't care which one it is, but something has to give. And he gave up his paying job. So I became the sole breadwinner for the family. He dug in and started overseeing the renovation and the opening of the business and hiring staff. And that was his full-time job. And he didn't get paid for probably a good two years. It's a lot of, it's a lot of just 
grunt work and we're out there laying sod on just he and I and our future event coordinator who we hired straight out of college. She sent in an application, talk about like from the ground up, literally we've done just about everything you can think of. He's done some renovation work himself, even though we did bring in contractors. We've all done landscaping. We picked the grapes by hand. We have them. We now produce off-site. We just don't have the facility or the production ability to do that. So we bottle off-site, but everything, like I said, it's a small family-run business. All the decisions are family-made. My sister, my brother-in-law, Jesse, myself. I go out there and work when I can or when needed. If we have somebody that calls in sick, I'm going out. It's like undercover boss at that point. And <laughs> serving wine and raining things up, getting keys for the inn. I'll go up and help Jesse clean out the inn rooms and turn those over on the weekends. It's a big family endeavor. My kids have, since they were itty bitty, they've been working out there. They'll help clean in rooms. They will help clean dishes. Obviously, they're too young to serve the bar, but they do a lot. They help out a lot too. It's a fun family endeavor. I would definitely do it again, but I've learned so much along the way. And that was a very long-winded answer to your question. I'm sorry. No, I love it. I'm assuming you're the typical physician, straight to college, straight to med school, straight to residency, and probably didn't have a huge business background. Did your husband or sister bring that to the table, or how did you learn the business side of all of this? Yes and no and yes. So <laughs> my sister and I are, everybody calls us twins, three years apart. She's three years older than I am. I'm a clone of her. I've always looked up to her. So she's a radiologist. She, we worked for the same company at one point. We have both worked at the same hospital at some point. She's super smart, super intelligent. I adore her. She's always been my role model. So we're very similar. We both went to straight out of high school. We went to the six-year med program at UMKC and then straight into residency, straight into fellowship, straight into job. And that left very little time for other things. And there certainly was no business background or education there. I think I took like a handful of history classes and the rest in English and the rest were all science and medicine. And that was it. Go, go, go. And then you have your boards and everything that goes with that. All physicians and physician moms in particular know how to juggle all that. But when it came to business, it was brand new to us. Her husband is a lawyer by training. He went to law school. He's practiced law. My husband definitely has a business background. He majored in accounting and undergrad and then got his business management degree in at UMKC after that. So his graduate degree. So he has really great business acumen. But that being said, I don't want to dump that and lay that all as be. And my sister and I always want to know what we're doing and understand what we're doing. So for the two of us, it was a lot of reading, a lot of Googling, a lot of discussions, a lot of family meetings. And it's it was a learning process, definitely. And even with my brother-in-law's law background, we still hired lawyers to look at contracts and business meetings. We had a lot of different developers approach us about, oh, hey, do you want to do this with your business? And some of them Honestly, we're flat out charlatans. We found we ended up working with a contractor that, that we really liked to do some of the renovation and we did it in two stages. But even that, those that took a lot of research on our part. 
And but the financing was all on us. We took out loans to renovate the property. And you want to make sure that we had to research what are our expected, what's our expected income? Can we cover this? And there was the amount for the renovation of the winery, which we, at the time we did one, it's like I said, it's three stories. We did one story. We renovated and cleaned out the entire building and then renovated just the first floor and opened the first floor as the winery in 2011. Hmm. And then the city worked with us. They were really great. We were able to meet fire code and close off the second and third store or floors. And then 2000. 16, we started renovating the second and third floors into larger event spaces and our small room, nine room in. And that's when we worked with the other contractors who did the renovation, but the financing was on us. And so we're looking at what's capacity for the inn or what's how full do you think you're going to be? And what do you base your numbers on to go to the bank and find how much of a loan can you get? And we based it on through our research, we figured out that about 32% was average capacity. And that's what you should expect for income. So we based it on that, but we've been really surprised. Our capacity on the weekends is approaching. It's well over 80, 90%. A lot of times, especially during the summer, it's a hundred percent on many weekends. And during the week, it's been 50% and actually getting better. And even now we're closer probably to 70%. It's been an amazing Amazing ride. We've had a lot of support from the community and we're still figuring out. We work with company a company like Expedia. We when we figure out how to increase your own visibility and get some last minute deals. And so even that's a learning process. It's very interesting, but it's definitely a lot of, I guess, nose to the grindstone and just figuring things out and doing the research. I think most importantly, if anyone's thinking about starting a business, the things I would recommend do a ton of research, do a ton of reading, make sure you know what bare minimum you need to survive as a business. Then anything else on top of that is, is icing on the cake, but know that you're going to be able to financially make this work and not put yourself in a hole. If there's a recession, if something, if something unexpected happens like COVID, that was a crazy and wild time. And Everybody in the medical community knows how crazy that was. And even business-wise, I know hospitals were hit, physicians were hit, even with COVID. And so for small individual businesses outside of the medical community, that was another layer on top of that. So there's just so much that goes into it. But no, I didn't have the business background. Luckily, my husband did, but it was a lot of reading and research. And even now, sometimes I'll go back and be like, okay, got to research, refresh this. We're talking about this again and research and refresh my memory and make sure I understood it correctly. Do you mind if I ask you something a little bit personal? Sure. You can always say no. (laughs) I'm pretty much an open book. (laughs) I know my husband and I have come up with some ideas over the years, but when I really sit down and think about it, I think there's no way I could work day to day with my husband. Have you found it difficult to work with your husband and your sister and your brother-in-law? And it sounds like your mom and dad early on. Has that been difficult? Does it play into your relationships? It makes the relationship, I'm not going to lie, it's a challenge at times. Luckily, my sister and I are very, technically my sister and I are the co-owners and my husband is the CFO and operations manager. So it definitely makes it 
interesting at times, but luckily for the most part, my sister and I are very similar and have very uh, similar strong opinions about what we see as the vision for our business and while trying to honor and respect what our parents would have wanted and, and putting our own spin on it. So there haven't been too many disagreements every once in a while, but we managed to work those out, which is really nice. I think it's a little bit harder with my husband, so to speak, on a day-to-day basis. We function differently, opposites attract. And so I think we have different ways of communicating and different ideas. And sometimes I just need to hear things validated so that I make sure I'm understood and I can't pester him too much. It's definitely a challenge. It brings in a different a different layer to our relationship. And I think we are both cognizant of that. And so at times we have lost that that layer of humanity and, <laughs> and I'll just say respect, I guess. But I think in the end, we both realize we're on the same team and we've definitely come around and are trained to be more cognizant of that. Good. Work in progress, but it's there. <laughs> I think you're doing much better at it than I think I would with my husband. <laughs> From talking to you and just following you on Facebook over the years, you seem very civic and community minded. Have you been able to use that business to give back to various charities or to the community that you live in? Yes, yes. And that's really important for my husband and I and my sister. We like to make sure our community. I just want to say has been so supportive of us and our endeavor and our family's endeavor. We couldn't be where we are today without them. And so we feel it's extremely important to give back to our community. So we do donations for a lot of events and fundraisers, cancer fundraisers, our schools will donate free tastings or free in-night stays. And and we do free event rentals for not-for-profits. Uh, any of the school events, they can come and have an event there and, and we won't charge them for the event space. So things like that. But we feel it's very important to get back to our community. The outfit behind me, we talked about it earlier, but I, I have a history of breast cancer and I'm doing really well. I'm seven years out. But there's a fundraiser called Brockator KC, and it raises money and funds for underinsured or uninsured cancer patients in the Kansas City area. It was started by Sharon Payne. All the funds raised stay local, and it's not just breast cancer. It helps all sorts of patients with all sorts of different cancers. So it's something we I would not have been able to get through as easily without the support from my friends and community. And I feel like I have a stable job. I had really loving, supportive family. I had supportive friends and it was hard to get through it even with all that. So I can't imagine trying to get through cancer and cancer treatments without that, without the financial wherewithal, without the emotional support, without when I had resources, I had people and doctor friends, I could call and be like, hey, what do I need to do? Can you talk me through this? Can you talk me off a ledge? And they did. And that's why I think organizations like Brockator QC are so important because it helps patients get resources they need. It helps with screening. It helps with data, 
things that they may need like wigs or lymphedema sleeves that may not be covered by insurance or that they don't have the money for. So we donate a package every year. It's free in night stay of all nine of our room ends. And so they can have their own party with 18 to 20 friends and come out, hang out, explore the building. We're going to have a dinner catered in for the group this year. So it's a ton of fun. I was paired with our package one year. And so I got to help auction it off the live auction. And so they make a bra or a corset for each of the cancer survivors, or they always have a male too. And so he usually has an amazing costume, but it's usually these elaborate, fantastic costumes and they have a theme and they made one, they made the corset that I wore. And then my daughters and I made this long feather skirt to go with it. It was a ton of fun. And I made some of the best friends. And uh, interestingly enough, a little side note, we, the group I walked with and auctioned with that year in 2019, we try to get to dinner, dinner together once a month, whoever can come, can come. And I didn't realize we had run-throughs and we had meetings all leading up to the big event, the big gala that night. But it wasn't until I was about to go out on stage and I was listening to Stacy, she, one of my good friends from Brocateur, and she was walking right behind me and I was listening to her video. And in that moment, we realized we got our diagnosis the exact same day. It was the Monday after Thanksgiving, 2016. So yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? Or maybe 15, sorry, 2015. But we got our diagnosis the exact same day and we didn't realize it until that night. It just, it's one of those serendipitous moments and she's, she's a great person. And so we hang out, we get together and I never would have met her without all that. Long story short. Yes. We feel it's really important to give back to our community. You had mentioned like all of these event spaces and I was looking at your event calendar and you have something called paranormal investigation. What is that? So there is a local paranormal group. If you've ever watched Ghost Hunters, they had TAPS. So it's like the local version of TAPS here in Kansas City. And so they come and they are the ones that lead the investigations through our buildings. So they will bring and provide the equipment. And it's, I think, a five-hour investigation. I forget the exact times, but it's 8 or 9 p.m. until 1 or 2 in the morning. And it's five hours of investigation led by them. You'll get to go places that you normally don't get to go because people aren't allowed in the abandoned buildings, but they know where to go and where they can't go. And so they'll help guide those and people can buy tickets online. They sell out really quickly. We usually release them, gosh, in January and they're sold out very, very quickly. So it's one of those things, if you want to do it, you just kind of have to know to be looking for it. Are your buildings haunted? Yeah, we've definitely had a lot of unexplained events that we can't happen or we can't explain in all the buildings. I will say the winery used to be an orphanage. And so there's always a lot of playful, childlike activity in that one. We've heard a lot of footsteps. I will say we didn't think it was haunted when we were just trying to plant grapes and tuck point the building. And we weren't inside a lot because they were in a state of disrepair. But over the years, as we've renovated, as we've been there working, we've had a lot of unexplained things happen. And now we're just going to, okay, it, it might be haunted. 
<laughs> so Ghost Hunters has been out. We've had lots of shows out, paranormal investigation shows, Ghost Hunters, Kindred Spirits, Ghost Adventures, Haunt Me, gosh, a few others. American Pickers has also been out. Yeah. That's a lot so of fun. fun. It was. It was a lot of fun. That was the one Dusty and I tag teamed together and did together. That was a lot of fun. But yeah, so we've had so many different experiences. And it's one of those things I'm... I come from a place of skepticism. I'm very scientifically minded. And I'm like, well, I know that person said that, but don't you think maybe they had a lot to drink? Or don't you think maybe in as far as the end goes that maybe they were dreaming? And then I kid you not, something, we won't tell anyone about it. And then something happens a few weeks later, maybe a couple months later, very similar. And it corroborates everything that somebody else told us. And I never really believe anything somebody else tells me. But then when something happens to you that you can't explain, and you're like, oh, okay. And Jesse, my husband, has been out there so much by himself. And I would get texts from him. And it's usually before we're open, mid-morning, nobody else is out there. When things are quiet is when you usually notice things. But I would get texts about him. He stopped texting me now about footsteps and weird noises because that happens so commonly. But I remember one morning around 10, 10, 15, he texted me. He was like, I just heard the piano playing. And we have two pianos. So one was my parents. It was a player piano on one end of the building. And the other was his great-grandmother's piano. And it's not a player piano. And it's on the far other end of the building. So, of course, I was like, oh, the player piano? Maybe it malfunctioned. He's that's what I thought. And he said he took about five steps down the hall to go towards the player piano and realized it was coming from the other end of the building. And he said by the time he got down, and I was like, what, was it a couple notes? And he was like, no, full measures. Like, really? It's crazy. And Ghost Hunters caught a little bit of something like a piano playing on their TV when they were there. And it was interesting because very similar thing. I think they were at the player piano and it was coming from the other end of the building. So it's just, it's crazy. And when something like that happens that you can't explain, you're really dumbfounded. So that's crazy. There's been a lot of talk in the last couple of years about burnout, getting tired of the field of medicine. Do you feel like having this on the side kind of keeps your love of medicine because you have something else to focus on as well? Or is it so much work that maybe it's hard to balance both? It's definitely a balancing act, but I love it. I honestly wouldn't have it any other way. I'm the kind of person that loves to be active. I love to be doing different things. I get bored just sitting around. And so for me and my personality, I know there's some people that are like, it's too many things, can't do it. But for me, I think it's just how I thrive. And I think it's important to have interests outside of medicine. I love what I do. I love where I work. I love the people I work with. But this gives me an outlet and something else to think about, something else to strive for. And I think we have a lot of just family pride in what we're doing and hoping to be part of the community and give back to the community. So for us, it's more than a business. It's very much a labor of love and being part of the community. And while it is a lot of juggling and a lot of work, it's really important to us for sentimental reasons, for community reasons, and just to have that outlet outside of medicine as well. And for me, that's really important. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Melissa. If someone wanted to come taste your wine, stay overnight, have an event, could they find you online? Yes. So it's Belfoir Winery, B as in boy, E-L-V as in Victor, O-I-R. 
Winery and it's just BelvoirWinery.com. And we are open. We're off 291 Highway in Liberty, Missouri. We're open seven days a week. Our tastings are free. Anyone could come out and have a free tasting, look around the property, look around our building. And we do have some charcuterie style boxes that you can get there. If someone's interested in an event, then just go to our website. It has a list of our events if that, that we host or the paranormal events that are hosted by the paranormal group. We do murder mystery dinners every Friday, like once a month on Friday nights. That's on there. And if you're interested in hosting an event, you can reach out to our event coordinator, Madison. And it's just Winery at gmail.com. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank I, you so I love- much for having me. This is just amazing. I hope everybody goes and checks out your website. The building is just to die for. It's beautiful. It, Gothic's not the right word. I'm not an architectural person, but it just looks beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I hope you all will tune in again next week for Grand Rounds.